Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here's your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. I'm really excited about today's show. I'm going to be joined by Brian Solis, and we're going to talk about how social media has evolved and where it is evolving to, and I think you're going to really love this conversation. Also, if you want to reach out to me for any reason at all, email podcast at socialmediaexaminer.com. It comes right to my inbox. With that, let's transition to this week's awesome new discovery. Helping you stay alive in a social jungle, here's this week's survival tip. This week, I'm joined by Eric Fisher. He's got a brand new find. What'd you, what'd you discover, Eric? <laughs> I found Grandma. <laughs> and what I mean by that is, is I found an app called Grandma, G-R-A-M-A, and it's for Instagram hashtags. Okay, so very important for those that might be calling their grandmother Grandma, <laughs> this is this is Graham. A, right? G-R-A-M-A. Cool. So what is it? What does it do? What it does is, you know how Instagram is all about the hashtag? Well, it's first and foremost all about the images and the videos. videos. Secondarily, though, I would say it's all about the hashtags in terms of being found and finding others. So what this does is, is it's a free iOS app. You download it, you open it up, and you type in a hashtag you know you already want to use, and then it will find the other related popular hashtags to that one you typed in. Wow, this sounds like the Google AdWords tool, yeah, um, which pretty, is pretty kind similar. of a similar, you know, like you put in, so if I wanted marketing, um, it'll come up with a suggested list of similar, but not exactly the same as marketing. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Very cool. And then, the next cool part, though, is that it will bring up this wall of all those hashtags, and then you can tap on any of the ones you want to use, and when you're done, it will export those out to your clipboard, so you can jump right back into Instagram and use ah, them. Ah, so you get a list of, what, tons or just a few? As many as, many as you want. <laughs> so, uh, like, give us an example. Have you tried it? Yeah, I have. Um, so let's see. So for example, if I typed in travel, it would give me the <laughs> it would give me the Instagram version of that, which is Insta Travel, which I know people are using. I've seen it. Uh, other ones like Travelgram or Vacation or Traveling. Um, is it tourism. searching them by the by the by? Uh, does it provide any data like uh, the number of of uh, hashtags over time or anything, or is it just listing them randomly in order? It's it's looking to see. It is essentially looking to see of who has used that first hashtag that you've pushed in, um, what are the other hashtags that are also being used in conjunction with that. 
Got it. So, and it's pulling that up and then you get to click on the ones you want. And then when you're done, it copies it into your phone and then you can paste it into Instagram. Is that what I hear you saying? Yep. That's it. Very cool. All right. Well, again, what's the name of that app? It's called Gramma, G-R-A-M-A. Just type that in to the iOS search, uh, app store search, because that's the best way to find it. Awesome. Eric, thank you so much for bringing your grandmother to today's podcast. Just kidding. (laughs) Thank you very much. (laughs) All right. Bye. Goodbye, children. No, I'm just... <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't, I couldn't resist. <laughs> Have a good one. Uh. I was recently at Social Media Marketing World, and I had a chance to connect with some of our best customers. A lot of them listen to our podcast, just like you do. Not everyone knows what I'm about to share with you. We do something special here at Social Media Examiner. The best of the best of the guests that you hear on the Social Media Marketing Podcast, not only teach at our conference, but they're also part of our secret society called the Social Media Marketing Society. Each month, our top tier guests who have been on my show are invited to train inside our society for an exclusive group of marketers who are just like you. The training is designed to help you go from being a passive consumer of content to a marketer who is in active learning mode. So if you're ready to make real progress with your marketing, you're a perfect fit for the Social Media Marketing Society. Join us by visiting smmarketingsociety.com. We've got a really big sale that is ending very soon, so don't delay. Again, visit smmarketingsociety.com and join today. In this next segment, I want to talk a little bit about what we're doing behind the scenes at Social Media Examiner, and I've brought on Jennifer Ballard. Jen is on the marketing team, and Jen, how are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? Excellent. So tell us a little bit about what we do with video, and in particular, on-location video. What are some of the things that we do with that? Well, the three key elements of the conference are discovery and networking and fun. So this is one of the most fun ways that we promote it. We go to the site and we make videos. We just grab an iPhone and a selfie stick or a tripod and we go make videos of the things that people will actually see and experience when they get there. So give us an example. Like, like what did you do last year? What were some of the locations that you went to and what were some of the things that you talked about? Well, First of all, and most important, we showed people where the closest Starbucks was so they could get their (laughs) coffee fix in the morning before everything started. It starts early. It's a long day. They need their coffee. So we're going to point out where the Starbucks is. And people really appreciated that. We also did things like we stood right in front of the giant, massive Midway um, aircraft carrier and let them know this is where it was and got them excited about how cool it is and uh, let them know that, you know, it's a ship. So don't wear heels. Uh, so it's insider tips too. Yeah. And it's kind of cool because what happens is Jen and Kimberly Reynolds on our marketing team go down as a team and they scout out interesting locations around San Diego on the Bay. And they say like, here's a place that you can go if you want to go for a walk in the morning, or here's where this is, or this is what the hotel lobby is like. And they record these videos in in little batches. Um, and what do we do with the videos once we have them? We post them to Facebook and people can see where where to go, what to do. It gives um, people who are already attending, who are connected to our Facebook event page. Um, it just gives them a lot of insider information and helps them 
feel more comfortable and confident when they get there. Yeah. So what we do on Facebook is we have um, a Facebook events page and all the people that have RSVP'd that want that are attending and even those that have said there that they want to attend. Every time we post a video up there, they get notifications. And what's really cool is we just upload the raw video right to that page. And we what do we produce like one a week or something like that? It was about that. Yeah. And, and the idea here is that these videos are really for those that are already coming. And it just kind of gets them super amped and super excited and kind of ready. And it's, it's multimedia. It's exciting. It's fun. Facebook gives video preferential treatment. And occasionally we'll take those videos and not just put them on the Facebook event page. We'll actually put them up on the main social media examiner page. And right. it's something we started last year. We're definitely planning on doing this year. And the equipment that we use, um, it's what is what what is the equipment that we have to do that? We used an iPhone with a mic, um, so we would get better audio, and a selfie stick or a tripod. And really you, easy. And you pretty much just you know, um, it, technically it could be done as a one person thing, but occasionally sure. you and and um, Kim have gotten in the video together. But what you do like a quick practice run and make sure you're framed okay and make sure your audio levels are okay and then look at it and then do it again if you need yes, to. Yes, we took a few takes on most of them, all of them. <laughs> but it's really simple. We would take a couple changes of clothes, you know, a quick change, put a different sweater on and do five or six in one trip down to the uh, hotel or to the Bayfront where we were having the conference. And what did people say to you when they came to the conference after they saw some of those videos? It was really cool. First of all, it provided them a familiar face. So, you know, if they're coming alone and they don't know anybody and they're surrounded by thousands of people, it's like, oh, I know you, you look familiar. So that was nice for them. And it was really cool for me because I had people from halfway around the world coming up to me saying, oh my gosh, you're from the videos. It's so nice to meet you. You're Jen, right? And I said, yes. So, you know, cool. it is, it seems like a small little thing, but it's just one of those extra little touches that we do to try to make sure that everybody that comes to the conference feels and recognizes, you know, the environment when they show up because nobody likes to show up to an event and feel like they don't know where to go. So, Jen, thank you so much for sharing that insight. And, and with that, we're going to transition over to today's awesome interview with Brian Solis. Helping you simplify your social safari, here's this week's expert guide. I'm very excited to be joined today by Brian Solis. If you don't know who Brian is, he's the principal analyst at the Altimeter Group. He's also authored eight books, including one called Engage, which you may be familiar with, and What's the Future of Business. His brand new book is called X, The Experience When Business Meets Design. Brian, how are you doing today? Hey, I am doing Awesome. I have not been on the show in a really long time, so I'm uh, geeking out a little bit. Well, it's really cool to have you back. Um, so we've known each other for a long time, and back in 2011, you wrote um, a very big book called Engage. And um, it really, back then, was focused heavily on helping businesses understand you know, social. And you know, things have changed a lot since then. I'm just curious, can you share a little bit about your journey from then to here? and maybe share what you've been doing and how maybe the world has changed a little bit over those years. Yeah, well, a, a lot has changed. So early, well, late in the 90s, early 2000s, I, I helped with a lot of development around what became social media uh, and uh, built real interesting technologies. And then also on the other side, a lot of really interesting strategies to use those technologies to reach people. Uh, and I realized that there was, you know, aside from social marketing, just, just this 
two-way digital marketing aspect was going to be really phenomenal. And so Engage was the culmination of all of that work into this big, wonderful book that helped anyone in marketing uh, or anyone in business really understand how to become social. So technology aside, understanding you know just the basic elements of listening and being part of conversations and how to build community and then using all of the social media uh, at the time and now to essentially facilitate those as building blocks, right? So technology as enablers rather than technology as the solution. And after Engage, you know, the world just really started to to change and technology started to accelerate uh, in, in incredible ways. And as an analyst, I, I studied that and write reports about it. And also as an anthropologist, you know, I was really fascinated by how we were changing, whether we knew it or not. Uh, and I looked at all of those things and continued to write books uh, that and, and research and, and, and even became a speaker uh, to help people understand how to bridge the world of brand uh, or business, uh, technology, uh, and people in really interesting ways. So social became part of it, but so did mobile and digital transformation and, oh my goodness, and wearables and Internet of Things. So it's just a, it's a fascinating time of which I, I, I struggled to keep up, but all in, it's all good fun. It is pretty amazing. What would you say have been some of the major transformation points over the last five years, in your opinion, from when you wrote Engage to now? Like, you know, there's obviously been some major breakthroughs. Uh, I'm just curious if you can recall some of the big things that kind of were, you know, game changers, if you will. Oh, yeah. Well, I, there's this there's this infographic that I actually uh, created a few years back for uh, What's the Future of Business, the book before this one. And I called it The Wheel of Disruption. And it looked at all of the crazy cool things that were actually disrupting uh, industries. Uh, but with an emphasis around brand and, and, and marketing uh, and, and engagement. Uh, and at the time, and it's still the case, uh, social, mobile, and real-time were the th the three things that uh, Fred Wilson once called the uh, the golden triangle, uh, and I still see that you know surrounded by the cloud, of course, as being the core for a lot of this really amazing stuff. And when you look around it now, we have wearables. We're going to have augmented and virtual reality part of everyday life, uh, and more so, you have this on-demand economy where things like Uber, uh, Instacart. Um, uh, and all of the services like that are really starting to condition people to really believe that the world revolves around them. And you're starting to see that with, you know, Amazon and drone delivery and Amazon's partnerships with Uber so you can have stuff in an hour or less, Google Express. Uh, so all of these things are really uh, feeding a, a, a customer that expects things now uh, and they expect things their way uh, and they wanted a simple app to be able to do that. And whether we realize it or not, that's having grand implications on every business in every industry because that's how people want to buy and that's also how people want to work. So uh, quite a bit of disruption on, on all of these technology fronts, but also and more so on the behavioral and the expectation fronts just at a human level. Very cool. And we're going to get into some of your thoughts on some of the emerging technologies that marketers um, might be interested in a little deeper into this in this conversation. You did mention Instacart. That's something I've heard, but I'm not familiar with it. What's what what are they doing? I mean, everybody's heard of Uber, but what's Instacart? What's the big deal with them? 
Well, Instacart allows you to, well, it's, it's sort of the Uber of uh, groceries, uh, you know, or, or like the, ah, okay. or, or shopping, right? So, and then there's other, um, the name is escaping, uh, Postmates, for example, which is that, but for delivery. So, for example, they partner with Whole Foods or Starbucks. And if you want, if you want a, a cappuccino right now, you could just go to Postmates and order up one from Starbucks, and it'll be at your house in you know twenty minutes. Well, you know it's funny because if you were stuck in a time capsule for five years and you came out, you probably wouldn't recognize a lot of things, would you? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like the fact that someone could push a phone and have a car show up would be pretty Jetson-like, you know? Oh my gosh! Well, I'm sure the first thing you'd have to do is say, "Hey, what is the app that I need to catch me up on all of the?" All yeah, of the yeah, apps? it's very crazy. So your brand new book is called X. Um, the experience when business meets design. Um, and you focus a little more on experience. So uh, talk to me, first of all, why did you choose X? And um, and then let's get into experiences and kind of why you think that's so important today. Yeah, you know, so experience is something that many marketers, uh, brand uh, strategists, uh, and even executives will all say experience is one of the most important things. Uh, and they have to deliver great experiences. But if you, if you try to drill down to what experience means, you're going to get a lot of different answers. Some people might think of it as great customer service. Uh, others would think of it as great product design. Uh, it's, it's just sort of all over the map. So what it is, uh, to me, is everything. Right? Uh, when you buy something or use something or shop for something or have a problem with something, each of those moments sort of contribute to this overall experience. And what I wanted to do was dissect it in a way that if we all believe experience is important, then maybe we should actually be able to define what it is and more so design experiences as part of business, as part of branding, as part of everything to build better relationships with people, to make them part of not just a community of folks who use our great products and they're happy about it, but they're also happy about the experiences we give them now and, and over time. And, and that to me is, since it's a, it's a very emotional thing, it's something that we all, we all want. We all want great experiences. And for, for us to be able to, be des- to, to design them in the future, well, that, wow, that would change that would change everything. And I was excited about it. You know, I mean, looking at social and looking at mobile and all of this stuff over the years, I've, I've made a career out of trying to stitch everything together. You know, what's on the horizon? What are we dealing with now? What can we learn from the past? And how can we innovate for the future? And those who want to come along with me, you know, experience, I believe, is, is the next competitive advantage. Well, you've got this experience uh, when business meets design. So is the idea with the X that one of them is experience and the other one is design and they're kind of crossing over each other? I'm just curious what the X part of the book means. I want to, I want to say, yeah, cause that's totally cool. I might have to borrow that. <laughs> cause it will go with it. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yes, of course it is. My God. No, in, in all seriousness, uh, in the book, I introduced this formula where there are several efforts within some of the more savvy organizations today that will have, say, brand brand experience, right? So there's a brand architecture of what it means, what it what it looks like and acts like, and how it appears, and uh, that comes across as sort of a brand style guide. Uh, there are, there is efforts within the organization around user experience. Depending on the the maturity of that organization, user experience could be everything from website 
uh, e-commerce, you know, basically helping users have a, a, an enjoyable, delightful experience, but also to product design, uh, to packaging. Uh, and then there's also customer experience, right? So the, the touch points, uh, are they designed to help customers in those moments of truth? Uh, are they there to serve them? Are they there to support them? So you have all of these different es- efforts. They're also disparate, right? Because none of them really work together with one another. Uh, thus, by default or by design, creating a, 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 I guess, a disconnected experience. But what they also share is the letter X. So BX, CX, UX. And I thought, why not just bring them all together under one banner of X and let's design holistic experiences where everything works together? Cool. Um, can you share a, a business that you think is really doing this right and maybe talk about what they're doing so people can kind of illustrate this in their mind? Yeah, I I talk about a lot of different companies in the book. You know, not because they in their own right are examples of holistic experiences, but each in their own way, they're they're contributing to moments of truth that when you look at all of them together, uh, even though they're different companies, you could actually see what a holistic experience would look like, and it sets the stage for the design that I, I ask readers to start to think about at a, at a new level so that they become sort of the champions of a new era of business. Uh, and in the, in the book, I, I share my, my adoration for Disney, uh, and I talk several times about you know, how they use storyboards to test out the believability of, of, for example, starting with Snow White, uh, of the characters and the storyline, and you know, is it is it going to take you on the desired journey? To how they parlayed all of that into this greater ecosystem of of television and their theme parks, uh, where there's maps that show how all of this stuff works together, uh, which means it's intentional. And I do the same thing. Uh, for Apple, I, I stitched together how all of these disparate things that, that look like they're individual are actually part of a, a connected ecosystem that Steve Jobs was very meticulous about designing in terms of experience. And then I talk about companies like um, Telstra, it's the, the, the local um, phone carrier in Australia, uh, and how they reimagined what, what the future of retail could be uh, and how they stitched together physical and digital for better better customer experiences or Lego. You know, I tell the story of how Lego made an incredible turnaround just several years ago. They were bleeding millions and millions of dollars, but they studied. Uh, they hired an uh, anthropology consultancy called Red to study the behavior of of their customers, and they learned that they had the existing customers who were. Uh, of course, the users, which are you know kids or, or fanatics, but they also had parents. Uh, they also had uh, all of these these new types of customers that they learned about from a very human, very personal standpoint, and they recognized they were making a lot of mistakes in product design and marketing, uh, and re reimagined their whole business to cater to the very people that they were hoping to reach. Um, but what they all share is this very human centered approach to to their their products, their marketing, their service, uh, and even Disney just spent a billion dollars over the last couple of years with these magic bands, uh, for, for those who've ever used one or. Yeah. They have that in Florida, right? Yeah, absolutely. In Florida. So it's like the fast pass meets electronics, right? Oh yeah. It's like the, well, see, it's, it's, it's wonderful because 
to the user, it's just a seamless device, right? You wear it, it gets you into the park, gets you pay for your food, it opens your hotel, um, you, it, you can make reservations on the app, and it, it acts as a, as a sort of a tracking beacon so the restaurants know how close you are. Wow. Uh, uh, it's fantastic, but it's also um, one of the most beautiful uh, strategies for uh, insight gathering and data gathering. So they use it as ways to improve all of those experiences that you have, make things invisible, but also they learn about where they can optimize flow and how they can create uh, more amazing dining experiences or have uh, characters come and greet you because they know where you are and who you want to meet. It's, uh, it's all about improving the experience. That's pretty amazing, actually. Yeah, so it's a, it's a two-fold strategy. Um, you mentioned moments of truth. And I know in your book you've, you've got a bunch of these moments of truth. First of all, what is a moment of truth? And how, how if any way, do they apply to marketers? Yeah, look, I think the future of marketing, I'll, I'll say this first so that there's some context. The future of marketing, I think, is everything. Uh, it's, it's, more, it's more powerful and wonderful than it's ever been. Uh, and so this is a great, it's a great opportunity for anyone in marketing uh, because if you think about, you know, the word marketing itself is like the word experience. Like, what does it really mean? Does it, and, and does it become buzzwordy? Um, but when you think about the idea of marketing as engagement, uh, meaning in these moments of truth that you can, you can take someone's attention, uh, you can give them your attention, and you can do something in that moment that, that's not only productive and useful but also great, <laughs> you know, and, and it keeps you smiling or moving along. Create some sort of emotional response maybe? Yeah, absolutely. So that's, that's to me what marketing could become. And so when you think about it that way, then that means you can affect every moment of truth. So, the, so I'll just kind of walk at a high level. This, this, is, uh, this was what my last book was about, which was What's the Future of Business? And X was meant to sort of say, be a continuation of that story, saying, look, these, you know, the first one was these are the moments of truth. This is how they're playing out. This is how you can win in each moment. And the other one, what, you know, X really looks at holistically, if we could design great experiences and connect the dots, then the, the moments of truth actually become ways for us to engage people much more effectively. So the first moment of truth is, uh, well, actually, let me start. It's the zero moment of truth is what Google defines as that moment where you or when you Google it or you it's basically the discovery process uh, and where they go, what people ask, um, the context of those situations sort of define how that zero moment of truth plays out. Most marketers think about it traditionally like where is the attention span? Where does it go? So google.com, social networks, review sites, YouTube, what have you and then what is it that they're going to find, right? And when they do find it, what happens? So you want to design these, these in the zero moment of truth to sort of engage and then handhold someone to the next step, which is the first moment of truth, which is when they have narrowed you down into their, their final decisioning process. It's about the marketing of the packaging or the marketing of the website or the the. I guess the presentation of the representative, if it's a, if it's a live thing, right. uh, all of those add up to: can they bring you across the finish line, or can you steal someone <laughs> in that moment uh, to to come along your way? Uh, and then the second moment of truth is basically: you have whatever it is that you are you've purchased, and what do you do? What do you what do you think? You know, are you happy? It's an experience, right? Do you contact customer support because you need something? Uh, are you looking for alternative ways to use the product beyond just how you bought it? Uh, and then 
the last one is what I called the ultimate moment of truth. And this is how you set the stage for the future of, of measurement, but also the future of design, which was in the ultimate moment of truth, that experience that someone has, it's going to be either bad, inconsequential, or fabulous, right? Today, we often leave it to chance. But that is going to be shared. That experience is going to go somewhere, whether it comes back in a survey, whether it goes on um, you know, Amazon, whether it goes in the social network, YouTube, what have you. Those experiences don't disappear, right? They collect and they build. And essentially, if you compare the ultimate moment of truth to your brand promise, you see either great alignment, which is rarely the case, or you see a disconnect. Uh, and that helps you understand where to make improvements or enhancements or corrections because someone's ultimate moment of truth, right? What they share becomes the next person's zero moment of truth. And this is important because what, what I'm finding in my research is that more and more people who go into that zero moment of truth do not want to find traditional content marketing. They don't want to find traditional websites. They don't really want to talk to a salesperson. What they need is a peer experience to help them make decisions. And so this, uh, these four moments of truth are, are more important than ever before. First of all, awesome. Secondly, it's only those that are the bad experiences and the fabulous experiences that are going to create zero moments of truth for everyone else. My guess is the bulk is inconsequential, right? Most people don't go around saying how bad their experience was or how good their experience was. So my guess is it's like the margins, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and if you think about the margins, um, most people are going to vent. Most people will share bad experiences just because it's cathartic, right? Uh, and that's that's a problem. Uh, and so, when you think about it, then what what marketers need to think about? This is why their marketing is bigger than ever before. Is we have to get into the business of positive reinforcement and positive conditioning to get people to be rewarded to share those positive experiences mm -hmm. so that they, they become the next zero moment of truth in wonderful ways. How do we do that? Have you seen others do that well? Well, a lot of this is secret sauce stuff. But, you know, for example, there's um, uh, some, there, there was a UK uh, cell phone provider that was a small business that said, you know, like, look, we, we don't have enough staff to support customers, but for those who, uh, who it answer people's questions on Twitter and other social networks, we'll just give you free minutes or, you know, free data. Oh, wow. Uh, and so they would, they, they they had their response time down to I think a minute or two, uh, just because so many people were jumping in to help because they wanted that 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 free stuff. So you you end up creating a great community of people helping other people, and that really became its brand, and that helped them help them uh, scale amazingly fast. Uh, but I would add, imagine that there's other things that that companies could do around you know hey don't just tell us would you recommend us for our net promoter score it's let's work together so that you're sharing great experiences uh here's where you can do it uh here's ways that will reward you um and maybe it becomes part of a new customer loyalty program you know i it's so good to hear you say this because um at our conference at Social Media Marketing World, we go out of our way to create awesome experiences and service to the attendees that are there, knowing that they are social media people <laughs> and knowing they're either going to let everyone know it sucks or they're going to become huge advocates for us. And it's really worked well for us. And, um, you know, I think now that we have more and more people empowered with Snapchat and Twitter and all these instant kind of ways to communicate with the world, Facebook and so on and so forth. I think that um, it's going to hold businesses to a higher standard if they want to survive. Don't you think? 
Oh, absolutely. Uh, I talk about digital Darwinism uh, quite often. It's, it's a common theme uh, in, in every one of my books. And it, it's basically the notion that technology and society are going to evolve. And you have a choice. You do nothing, right? And you continue with business as usual. You compete for the moment, which means that you're sort of reacting to all these trends uh, and maybe even keeping up for, for the time being. Or you compete for the future and you look at how these trends are sort of playing out over time, how people's expectations and behaviors are, 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 are evolving, and you get in front of it. And that's the whole point of X. You know? So you design these experiences that become meaningful, significant, shareable, uh, and more importantly, the kind of the kind of experiences people can't get enough of, and they become your community, they become your sales force, they become your service, they become everything. That's huge. All right, I want to shift for a little bit and talk about some of the new emerging technology that's been happening in the world of social media marketing, and get your thoughts on this. The first thing I want to ask you is, what's your thoughts on live video technology? You know, in the last nine months, we've seen the emergence of Periscope, Blab and Facebook Live, and uh, this live video thing seems to be quite, perhaps big, but I want to know what your thoughts on it. Yeah, it's 2016 is the year of live video, so they say, uh, and I believe it. And I think that you know we're seeing some of the, the, the smartest uh, marketers out there uh, really starting to understand it. And of course, you have Real smart folks like uh, you know Joel Com or Brian Fanzo, right. you know, really showing us you know the possibilities of live video, uh, not just in building their own communities uh, and engagement in those communities, but also you know demonstrating to to marketers what's possible with these with these channels. I think like anything um, in in uh, X, I, I come up with a funny term called mediumism, uh, and mediumism is the the placing inordinate value in all of the new channels without actually thinking about how to add value to them and really understanding the culture of people within each one of those networks, right? Because you could, as you could imagine, the culture of Snapchat versus Periscope versus Vine versus Twitter versus Facebook, I mean, they're all unique. Uh, and thus that means how you communicate, how you use technology, how you ha- try to reach people. Everything has to have a very dedicated strategy. And the hard part for marketers is that they tend to take a one to many approach, how do we get the most channels doing the same types of things? Uh, and live video, I think, represents both the challenge and an opportunity to marketers to really, really connect with people in ways that are far more intuitive and natural, right? Live video, having conversations with your, you know, your favorite people, with product professionals, with experts. I mean, I could only imagine some of the great possibilities next year. I mean... I am very excited about it. I, I wasn't super excited with Meerkat and Periscope because it forced the the person who's broadcasting to be the entertainer, if you will, or the center of the universe, right? But with Blab in particular, I've been an early adopter, um, and Joel and I started within about 10 days of each other. And uh, I really like it because I think it's almost like the closest I've seen to face-to-face because the fact that you can effortlessly bring someone on from a desktop browser or a mobile device, you know, and and technically without an app, right? I mean, like you can do it from your computer without an app. Um, and I, I think it's pretty dang exciting, but I'm also concerned about, you know, like I see these technologies and what happens is everybody rushes to them because they're excited and then they kind of like realize I don't have enough time in the day to do all this stuff. <laughs> and I'm just curious, you know, like, do you think that this ra- this rapid adoption of this live video stuff is you think we're in like kind of like the early days of this kind of like YouTube was when it first came out and do you think that there's going to be 
celebrities and stars that are going to be made from these platforms that will ultimately show up on traditional media because they will finally have the ability to broadcast live and create kind of shows and stuff. I'm just curious what you think about that. Uh, well, you know, I am actually thinking about this a lot. Uh, I have to write an article for Variety about this very subject of what this means to the future of entertainment. Uh, so the it's absolutely going to affect uh, everything. In fact, uh, there's already Nielsen data that shows that be- mobile alone is starting to um, really deteriorate the traditional television industry. Uh, and wow. That's it's it's in, 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 because it's how people define entertainment, right? It's also how people define what a TV is. So these types of things are only going to make it um, far more distributed, uh, maybe even chaotic. But it doesn't mean that content producers can't be part of it. Uh, they, in fact, uh, if you think about experiences ecosystems, you know, traditional television shows or or even movies, you know, using things like Blab or showing behind the scenes or allowing you to be part of multiple experiences, I think I, it could only could only help. It's just we have to re, we have to think about how, in a counterintuitive way, these threatening technologies can become uh, complementary technologies, and that's hard. It takes a shift in perspective. It, it's totally cool, and 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 going along another trend that is relatively new. Um, two different things here. Um, first of all. The whole 360 video thing is a big deal, right? Um, and you have Facebook coming out with 360 video, and then you have um, them enabling it on mobile so that you can hold up your mobile phone and, and, and move it around and, and kind of experience you know, a 3D environment. And then you've got Google, what is it, Cardboard? Yeah. So, you know, and you can put your phone into these things and kind of create a virtual reality kind of world. Um, that's pretty crazy. Um is that something that you think a lot of people are also going to adopt? It's obviously not a live thing yet. I do believe that there could be 360 live video coming. But do you think that this creating kind of immersive technologies and then you've got um, Samsung just came out with their Samsung Gear VR or whatever the heck it's called, which is the Oculus Rift technology from Facebook. And it works with the Samsung devices right now. I mean, do you think that we're getting into this whole... 3D virtual reality world um, with mobile devices broadcast over social networks. I don't know. Where do you think that's going? Oh, yeah. So it's all, all of the above, right? So Facebook is already experimenting with what, what's called Facebook 360. Uh, and it's it, like live video, it's, it's a matter of time until it, it comes out. There's also incredible um, 360 orb cameras that you know, that are capturing all of these things in in real time, and then well, all it takes is sort of this video architect to stitch them together into what become new worlds, right? New experiences. That's amazing. Uh, it's it, it's it's fascinating, but at the same time, you know, I think we're just barely scratching the surface of of what's possible. Uh, not to plug my book again, but that in the book I, I call it experience architecture and virtual reality uh, and three sixty and immersive video uh, are are very easy candidates to understand why experience architecture is perf- uh, important because none of those technologies, none of those products are going to be amazing unless you can immerse yourself in something that's incredible, right? And it can't just be, hey, here's a you know video footage of me walking down the street wearing this stuff because I could do that without wearing anything. Right. Um, it has to be something that's fa- fantastic. I was uh, talking with the manager of Radiohead uh, recently, and I, and I was I was trying to get him to uh, I, not that I had any vested interest in this, but I said, you know, I know that Radiohead's working on a new album. What if you, aside from what it is, you release musically, 
what if you also took that musical experience and transformed it into something for Oculus, like the first ever album, immersive album for Oculus Rift? And like, yeah. what could that be? That'd be amazing, uh, like experience a concert kind of thing. Yeah, or or a world, right, where the wow. music unlocks different aspects of what you go through. I, it, but that takes architecture. That takes somebody with vision, a dreamer, you know, who can see all what's possible with all these technologies, not just virtual versions of what it is you already know. Well, and a lot of people don't know that Rico makes a camera. I think it's called Rico Theta or something like that, or Theo. I'm forgetting, but it's like 350 bucks, and it's um, you know full, um, you know, uh, 360 degree video, high def. I mean, so I think we're going to be seeing hobbyists starting to create these kind of environments too, which is kind of encouraging. You know, here's a related question. It seems like these days, a lot of the social platforms are in this crazy um, rush, if you will to get people to stick on their platform. For example, Snapchat Live and, and Discover, right? Facebook Instant Articles um, and, and all these other kinds of technology like the 360-degree video. Are the social networks, the next ABC, NBC, CBS, are they essentially rushing to become the media? And of course, you've got Facebook coming out with apps and Facebook Notify. I mean, it seems like it seems like they want to be owning every moment of our life and be the center of all consumption and entertainment. Is that where we're headed? I think so. Uh, I think so. It's, it's real interesting. I, I remember in the early days of social media, I used to talk about Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. I, I would just pick sort of the, the, the three biggest um, – Social networks at the time, yeah, yeah, and, and used to say it, you know, NBC, CBS, ABC, right, uh, and uh, I, I think I don't know that they're the new. They the could new buy show. those, right? Like, I mean, Google <laughs> and Facebook could just flat out buy one of those. They could buy Disney, couldn't they? I don't know about Disney, but I well, yes, 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 but at the same time, I, I don't know that they want to buy any of those. I, I, Reason why you're seeing Snapchat and and Facebook, for example, d- develop these new these new sticky um, environments isn't just because they have to engage continually engage people differently, right? You have to do that. That's just a that's just how you compete, which is should be a metaphor for all business, right? If if Facebook has to continually innovate to keep people on its platform, why aren't brands being more innovative with with their products and services and and techniques? Because that's that's exactly what they're doing now. They're also coming up with new monetized platforms, right? So how do we sell against eyeballs? How do we sell against engagement? So part of that is to be sticky, but also part of that is to to generate new revenue uh, and to create new types of products that generate the types of uh, advertising uh, support that makes people like what they're seeing rather than want to flee <laughs> the, the network so they can't have them work against them. So I think these are all good things, which is why... CBS, ABC, all of those, all those guys have to rethink uh, what what content means, what viewing means, what an audience means, uh, so that they can be relevant uh, if they want to be relevant uh, in the future. Because it's just a matter of time until, like traditional media, where those things are so disrupted that they're going to be operating on fumes. I'm going to ask you to look into the future for a couple of years from now, and I'm sure you do this and you talk about this all the time, but where do you see things? I mean, like we talked about the radical shift from 2011 to 2015 slash 16. Where do you see this going? Like what's your crazy audacious vision of where you see this going? Well, you know, a lot. It's changing so fast. I mean, it's like. Exactly. (laughs) 
a lot a lot is going to change and also a lot isn't going to change right so one of the things i'll just say just just straight up is that a lot of the a lot of the big businesses that 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 we know are going to be gone it's just it's it's just inevitable however from a technology standpoint i mean what what we're going to see in terms of wearables right right now we see all these crazy little things like bracelets and fitbits, uh, fitbits and tracking devices but imagine things that actually start to work together uh, and that start to control more than just you know tracking right or like nest for thermostats or smoke detectors imagine once these things all start to connect to something bigger than just any one thing and then the types of information the types of power that you're going to have uh, around around that type of capabilities you're going to have around that uh, the, the, the wearables that you'll be able to swallow um, the bots that'll go into your body to fix things or to track things um, the cars that you'll put your kid in and it'll take them to school and come back right Oh yeah, that's 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 uh, that's inevitable. I, I went uh, with with uh, with you to go visit Mercedes, uh, and that self driving car. I mean, while it's not all there yet, um, it's pretty crazy. It, <laughs> it's uh, it's pretty crazy. But then you start to think about that. You know, not just the crazy things that you'll be able to do with tech, but what does that mean, right? So if you have bots in your body, that means you could be living longer. If you have this whole you know autonomous driving, that you know maybe you don't buy cars anymore, so that that upsets the economy in another way. So now you're sharing things maybe with other people or you're using the Uber of for autonomous uh, driving. Uh, so you, ha- you also have incredible societal shifts uh, with all of this crazy technology uh, as well. Uh, you know, so imagine uh, the future of banking or the future of, of, of health. All of these things will be uh, completely, completely different um, in, in, with, with, with all of this stuff. So I'm both excited and, and uh nervous because i have to track it all <laughs> <laughs> but it's super exciting i mean like the world needs people like you brian more than ever right because we need people to navigate through the chaos people like you people like robert scoble who are out there on the edge watching what's going on and helping to you know translate what it means to all of us because um not only is there going to be a lot of changes but you know um there's going to be a lot of things that just get invented and never come to fruition. Um, but at the same time, I'm also very excited about how it's going to empower the smaller businesses of the world to do things that they could never do. Right. I think that's, what's very exciting is even though all this stuff sounds like it's only playgrounds for mega businesses, I think there's going to be a lot of future Mark Zuckerberg's coming out. Don't you think? Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's also one of the reasons why I'm, I'm very inspired because you know, you have people who all day long are thinking about new possibilities uh, and they're inspired by those possibilities and they start companies around those possibilities. And, you know, there's, there's three different, I, I study this too, you know, there's three different kinds of impact. There's iteration, right? Which is doing uh, the same things uh, better. Um, there's innovation, which is doing new things. And then there's in new ways and there's disruption that you're doing new things in new ways that make the old things in ways obsolete. Right, and you have people all day, every day, thinking about those three things, and that's why the next big disruption is going to come from some, you know, future Mark Zuckerberg. But at the same time, too, I yeah, you know, I want big, big businesses to also start to think like startups. You know, you don't have to just base anything on legacy or your existing culture. You can also innovate, and I think this is a great time for innovation and disruption and iteration. But we have to. Uh, we have to at least be prepared to know that we either disrupt or we will be disrupted. 
Well, first of all, Brian, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your insight. Um, I want to tell everybody to go get his book, X, The Experience When Business Meets Design. It's a very different kind of a book. It's more like a like a tabletop kind of a book. It's got excellent design and it's very consumable. And um, why don't you tell them where they can find out more about you and where they can discover your book? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, they can find me online at briansolis.com or at Twitter at, um, at Brian Solis, uh, LinkedIn, uh, or uh, the book, uh, xthebook.com or on Amazon. But yeah, uh, you know, just, just in closing, that book was designed to be an experience so that the, the book itself is actually a physical manifestation of what the book teaches you and it took three and a half years, but it's, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's definitely something to, I hope, inspires you to show that if I could go through the, the incredible process it took to make that, uh, anything is possible. Brian, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thanks. Thank you. And, and thank you, everybody, for, for listening. Well, I hope you got a lot out of this week's episode. I know that uh, Brian's a really, really, really smart guy. By the way, if there's anything we mentioned and you just didn't catch it, well, you can get it all at socialmediaexaminer.com slash 179. That's where we take all the notes for you. That's episode 179. Also, subscribe to this podcast if you're new to it so you don't miss another great episode. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you in the driver's seat next week. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day. And may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.